Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Matthew chapter number six. Man, just, just things telling me that I'm just getting the odor. Uh, for one, any time that death happens, I get very reflective. Uh, and then we had a, a, a dear loved one. I say loved one, friend, close friend of ours, around the twins' age, about five years older than me, that we lost in Florida. And uh, then on Friday, I told my wife, I said, that's, my, my, my eye doctor tells me, always asks me how my, that, that vision, you know what I'm talking about, Sister Sheila, how that vision is going. I said, I don't notice anything. He said, well, he said, if you don't notice anything, he said, then it's not happening. It's nothing to speak of. I read a lot, and um, a lot of the books I read, it's probably about a 50-50 about what I read in print and what I read electronically. I get a lot of reading done at night while I'm rubbing my wife's back as she's going to sleep. I do that. I have one phone. My hand, my my hand is on my phone. I'm reading in one hand, and I'm rubbing. I'm telling you the honest God's truth. I'm laying on my right side. I'm rubbing with my left hand. She loves it because the back rubs are long, because I get caught in my book, and so I'm reading. And so typically, I'm I'm not zooming in and out. It's just a whole page of book on your screen, right? So the print is very very small. I've been noticing though. It seems like if I get, a, it's about usually that distance. If I get a little closer, it seems to get fuzzy. And so I went to the Dollar Tree over the weekend and got me some little readers for that. I can preach still without it. I got a font big enough. I can do it without it. Uh, But I noticed that. And so then my family, my wife was in the March Madness madness. And uh, her and Mariah Friday night was sitting there and that was going on. She says, dear, do you hear that? That sound like a television was making some sound like underneath all the clapping stuff. I said, I don't want a slice idea what you're talking about. I don't hear anything. She says, Mariah, do you hear that? She says, yeah, I hear it. She says, well, dear, you might just be losing some of the low tones. I said, well, that's it. I said, I done got readers today, and you're telling me the lowness of my hearing is going out. I said, I'm depressed. I'm going to bed. So that's what I did. I went to bed. I wasn't really depressed, but I said, before long, I'm going to start losing my hair. Already am. Amen. Matthew chapter number six. Matthew chapter number six and verse number 10. It's not supposed to happen to people like me that's as young as I am. Matthew six and verse 10. I don't feel a day older than when I graduated. I really don't. Matthew six and verse number 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Last week we looked at the fact of thy kingdom come today, I want to concentrate a little bit upon thy will be done. Thy will be done. That's Matthew 6 and 10, the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray today. Father, I need you this morning. God, we need your help, Lord Jesus, in this place. God, if you're able, Lord, to speak, Lord, to our hearts and our minds, God, then so be it today. I pray, oh, Lord, God, stir up our spirits, Lord, concerning prayer. God, we've had songs about it today, Lord, that have stirred us. I pray, Lord, let your word continue to do so and will not forget to thank you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Thy will. Everybody say, thy will. Everybody say, thy will. It's not my will. Thy will be done. 
This is the third petition now that we are coming to. We've looked at hallowed be thy name. We've looked at thy kingdom come as the second. And now the third as thy will be done. Again, the first three pertaining unto the Lord. The third petition, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so this petition consists of just a couple matters or a couple of parts, maybe better said. The first matter is this, doing God's will and the manner in which you do God's will then is as that will is already accomplished and is already done and finished and complete in the heavens. So it's important to note that this manner of praying wasn't again foreign to Jesus. This fact of praying, not my will, but thy will in his earthly ministry right as walking among you and I this type of praying was not foreign to the Lord Jesus Christ we see this perhaps the most prominent in the garden of Gethsemane and his struggle right as a man his struggle as humanity knowing though on the divine side the godly side of him knowing that Calvary is in the very near future. He's there praying in the garden and he prays something very similar to what he has already taught his disciples to pray, saying, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And of course, that will he is talking about is a will that was already stamped complete in the heavens that needed to be accomplished in the earth, particularly in that garden of Gethsemane scenario. Not his, not my will. Jesus as a man himself was saying, not my flesh's will, not my flesh's will, but I want God's will to be done in my life. And so he undoubtedly has set the pattern for us, not just in what he taught, but in what he actually performed and what he did in his own earthly ministry, in his own fleshly life. Now, if we were to take the literal, the literal Greek of this simple statement, the, the Greek language of this simple statement, it says something like this, and, and it kind of elaborates a little bit. It's like this, your will, whatever you wish to happen, let it happen immediately. And then the Greek goes on to say, as in heaven, it puts heaven first, as in heaven, so in earth. Kind of just elaborates a little bit. Your will, what, see, there's, with that, there's no little, your will, buts. your will, if, no condition set to it. It's your will, whatever you wish to happen. And that is a heavy statement. That is a heavy statement whenever you're dealing with some very, very troublesome, sorrowful things, perhaps in your own family or your own life. I was just thinking of yesterday as, as Jennifer Herndon slipped on into eternity, you know, the will of every man. And my prayer was, Lord, you're able to do the miracle. And he was. But that necessarily wasn't his will. It wasn't necessarily his purpose. And so those are hard prayers to pray of whatever your will may be. So, Lord, let it happen. And so one thing is for sure, we cannot pray like this. We cannot pray, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you desire, again until like last week, we acknowledge him as king. 
and we acknowledge him as Lord in our life because no one will submit themselves to the will of someone that they do not esteem as Lord in their life. You will not submit yourself to the will of God if you don't esteem him as the Lord of your life. It would be contradictory, amen, to do so, amen. And so whenever we submit to his lordship, in essence, we also then, by virtue of that, submit to his will. Now, here's the thing, though. There's a lot of people saying they've, they've made him Lord of their life. But that stops at submitting to his will for their life. I'm just pausing here for a moment. Just like water, let it go through your clothes till it touches your skin. Amen. And so we, 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 we want to submit to his will and we want him to be the Lord of our life. Amen. And if we don't, if we haven't, if we don't do these things, then we can't truly, as formally said in the Lord's Prayer, we can't truly hallow his name, right? We can't truly through our own lives then make his name holy through us or exemplify his holiness, his righteousness, his power through us because he's the one empowers it be ye holy for I right it's a direct result of who and what he is so none of that is accomplished if we don't submit to him as being Lord he cannot hallow his name none of those things are possible we got to come as we said last week in the closing it's got to be more than commitment better would be surrender surrender so, so Peter spoke of an impossible statement. I think I maybe even alluded to this last week, but Peter spoke a very impossible statement. We look at it as innocent, but it's impossible. Acts chapter number 10 and verse number 14, we'll actually read the scripture here this morning. The Bible says in Acts 10, and this let you know where we are. If I say Acts 10, hopefully several of you know about where we're at in Acts, talking about Cornelius and, and Peter seeing a vision and uh, going to Cornelius' house and him receiving the Holy Ghost and all that stuff. And so this is whenever Peter is up and he's praying, he's in a trance, he sees a vision, a blanket is let down a few different times and there's unclean beasts upon the blanket. And the, the, the Bible says this, because the, the, the Spirit says to Peter, arise and eat, all right? says arise and eat well these were unclean beasts according to the old testament law they didn't partake of unclean beasts they had to they had to meet a couple of qualifications in order to be eaten talking about whether or not they had a cloven hoof or if they chewed the cud so and so forth they had to meet those two conditions in order for them to even partake of the beast and this is kind of a side note to all of that but what the lord was setting up is that their stand needed to be right and their mouth needed to be right we could talk about that, but that's for a different time. But nonetheless, and so as he said, arise and eat, and, the, and Peter is seeing this. This was Peter's response in Acts 10, 14. But Peter said, and here's the impossible statement, not so, Lord. Just three words in our English. Not so, Lord. For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the Lord went on to tell him, well, what I have cleansed is no longer unclean or common. You know, arise and do so. But he says, not so, Lord. That is an impossible statement. Because the moment you say, Lord, you're saying, Master. You're saying, you got the control. You the man. Whatever you want. But Peter says, not so, Lord. 
You're the master. The master says, thus and so. And you say, not so. That just, that don't, that don't figure out. You know, have you ever told your child, I'm the parent? Huh? Well, that's kind of like what the Lord's about ready to do. I'm the Lord. You're saying not so, but in the same sentence you say not so, you say, Lord, you can't have both. You can't have the right to veto and me be the one that's Lord. If you're saying you have the right to veto, then I'm not Lord in your eyes. You're Lord. Well, I didn't know it was going to get thick this quick. Amen. He says you can't do that. You can't say not so and you can't say Lord. You can't do that. Because not so undercuts the idea of the one that you're speaking to being Lord. Jesus, Jesus touches on this in another place of the Gospels. In Luke 6 and 46 and other places in the Gospels as well. He tells them and says, that, and it should be on the screen. He says, and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Once again, he says, we got a complication here. You call me Lord, Lord, but I'm asking you to do some things and you're not doing them. Then I must not be Lord in your life. You can't adequately and, and appropriately call me Lord if you're going to do that and not do the things that I say. Because to do this is to have actions then that contradict your words. Right? Huh? That contradict your words. And so that's, I believe, how in Scripture... Sometimes the Lord speaks of a people who, who love him and proclaim him and adore him with their lips. But their heart, he says, was far, far from me. Lord, no action. Lord, behavior doesn't back it. Amen. Amen. There, there, there must not be a contradiction between what we proclaim and what we live. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we are to pray. Thy will be done in earth. There's more being said here today. I would dare. There's more being said than let your will be done in earth. Meaning, you know, on this particular planet that you and I inhabit. Because in reality, if we want to get to the nitty gritty of it. The earth in reality is me and you, right? The New Testament writer affirms it to a certain degree. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, and that's just for your reference, talking about how the God of this world has blinded the eyes of them that believe not. And he says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He's making an analogy. He's speaking of us as being earthen vessels, and we have this treasure. Uh, in New Testament times, it wasn't uncommon for families to take some of their most prized treasures that they had in their household, and they stored it in earthen vessels. Earthen vessels were very common. They were dime a dozen. They were easy to get, and if you lost one, no big deal. You could get another one. They were inexpensive, and so they would oftentimes put some of their most prized possessions of their family in the earthen vessels, because if someone was a thief or a robber, they wouldn't think think much of finding something so precious in something so common. 
And he says, so we have this, this, this glorious treasure in an earthen vessel. And he's speaking then an analogy about how we, if we've been born again, we have the spirit of the Lord in this earthen vessel, common people. Huh? Common people, dime a dozen, so to speak, and I'm not trying to insult anybody. But we're just earthen vessels. He says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Even John 3, 31 in our John series declared that he that is of the earth is earthly. And that's us. We go all the way back to the book of beginnings in the book of Genesis. And Genesis 3 and verse number 19, the Bible states these words. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and until dust shalt thou return. He said, I, I, I put my hand and I scooped up some of that earth, some of that dirt, and he formed and he created mankind, and then Eve was created from his side, the, the rib that came from Adam's side, and there was man and, man and woman, and it came from the dust of the earth. And someday, uh, our bodies, they are going to deteriorate in the ground, and to dust they shall return once more. And so for the petition for God's will to be done in the earth, again, it's kind of a dual interpretation it's not just for his will to be done in this planet that we live on but it also has a lot to do with his will being done in the individual eyes of humanity that lives upon that earth and that happens then by our surrender that happens by our surrender Whenever we pray to God and all these things have been kind of tying together because of where we've been at in John and here we are. And so they, there should be a good little, uh, you know, a little momentum and a snowball that's turned into an avalanche going in our hearts and minds concerning prayer. Prayer is not, prayer is not a means or a way which the saints manipulate God. There's not a way to manipulate God and to somehow get what you want to get. Prayer is a way in which you discover what God wants. And then you ask the Holy Ghost to enable you to fulfill what he desires. Amen. It's not a, not a manipulate. You know, some people believe that. You know, again, throw Jesus on anything. Woo! It's going, no, no, no. It is a way in which we discover what he wants. We spend time with him in conversation until we discover what he wants in our spirit and we go forth. You've heard the old sayings. Amen. Prayer. I'm not praying to try to change God. Prayer often, more than often, changes me. Changes my perspective. Changes how I think. Changes my approach. Amen. Amen. So when I pray, it's not necessarily me trying to get what I want. It's me seeing and it becomes what God wants. I, I referred to this on Wednesday. I'm not done with it. I want to, you know, there's just sometimes a nail that needs another hammer in order to get it level or even below the surface. Psalms 37 and 4. Back here again. Delight thyself also in the Lord. The Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Again, the prerequisite to the Lord giving you the desires of your heart is delighting yourself in the Lord. I told you on Wednesday, and the Hebrew meaning of delight is to be soft and pliable unto the Lord. What's really being employed here, what's really being looked at here, is the potter clay, the potter clay relationship in Scripture. 
uh, potter or someone worked with pottery would oftentimes use the, the, the terms that the clay is pliable in my hands. That means it can be molded. It can be, it can be pushed. It can be formed. It can be stretched. Pliable. It's soft. That's what a potter wants, something pliable and soft in his hand. So as he's spinning that clay in the center of his wheel, <laughs> W-H-E-E-L, and for us, W-I-L-L, when he... <laughs> When he's spinning that clay in the center of his wheel and his hands up on it and sometimes his hands is in it. He's helped forming and making a vessel. Delighting ourselves in the Lord is being the piece of clay on the potter's wheel that's supple, that's pliable, that is responding to the master's touch. That when I add pressure here, it moves with the pressure. When I dive my hand down the center, then something is taking form. That's delighting ourselves in the Lord. Because the Bible says that he makes vessels unto honor and vessels unto dishonor. The Bible even says concerning the potter that there are some instances in which the clay becomes marred in the potter's hands. What's that talking about? It's talking about he's moving it, but it's not responding the way that the potter desires for it to respond. But here's the awesome thing. This has always been awesome to me. It might not be to you, but it is to me. The scripture says that it became marred in the potter's hand. If you're ever going to become marred somewhere, let it be in the potter's hand because he has the ability to add what's needed to be added. Sometimes it's just water. And rework the clay again until it gets pliable. Sometimes, I've seen it, sometimes that potter's going to slap that clay down on the wheel. Add a little water, slap that clay down on the wheel. What's he trying to do? Get it to be pliable. And there's things sometimes that enter our lives that feels like we've been thrown down on the wheel. Sometimes it's just his means and methods of trying to get us pliable just to his touch. Your wheel. Delight myself in the Lord. And so the clay at these moments is at the mercy of the potter. But again, it must surrender to the potter in order to become what he wants it to become. The Bible says, the clay never says into the potter, what have you done? The clay never, it's in your Bibles, clay never cries out, what are you doing, potter? No, because it is not the master of its own life. It is in the hands of the potter. It's not questioning the potter. It's not telling the potter, you need to give me proof points A, B, and C in order for me to allow you to do this. It's not telling the potter, you need to show me the finished work or I'm not going to go with the ebb and the flow of your pressure. No, it's the potter. I'm the clay. Not my will, but thine be done. And so then God's will being done in our lives again, is it, is it about him forcing himself upon us? He's a gentleman. He'll make vessels to dishonor just as much as honor, all according to the pliableness of the clay. He's not going to force himself upon us, but it's about us surrendering to his desires, his wishes being conformed to his will. Romans 12 and chapter, chapter 12 and verse number 1 and 2. These are been oftentimes quoted verses of Scripture. Paul, writing to the church at Rome, he says in verse number 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, 
but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Everybody say living sacrifice. That's a, almost a contradiction of terms, living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. What is a living sacrifice? If we take Abraham, for instance, of the Old Testament scripture, Abraham in the book of scripture of Genesis took his son, his only begotten son, Isaac. They were going to go up Mount Moriah. He left his servants at the base of Mount Moriah, said, me and the son go yonder to worship and we'll return. Abraham takes Isaac up there, has the wood strapped upon Isaac's back, went up to Mount Moriah, all the way up the mountain. Abraham must have been saying to himself in his mind, that God, this is a very strange thing that you ask of me. This is a very strange thing that you've asked of me because you've told me to go up here and sacrifice my only begotten son, to sacrifice the child of promise. Understand, I know that Ishmael came along that was born through Hagar, but whenever the Lord spoke to Abraham, he said, Ishmael, I'll bless. He said, but my covenant, my promise is with Isaac. He is the son of promise. Amen. And here's Abraham bearing the name, not just Abram, but Abraham, which means father of many nations. And if they're going to happen, they're going to happen through that one boy. So he's probably thinking this is a very strange asking you have of me, God, as he's going up this mountain, and yet he continues to go forward with what the Lord has asked of him. I mean, all of Abraham's future is contingent upon Isaac. All right, the continuance, the propagation of, of his descendants in his life is all upon Isaac. And so this is perhaps in the Old Testament scripture one of the greatest illustrations of a living sacrifice in the world because Abraham, he goes up there, he prepares the altar, he places the wood where the wood needs to be, Isaac is bound, he places Isaac upon the wood, straps him down, he has the knife, amen, drawn, amen, to take his only son's life, ready to take it, and, and the scripture says the angel of the Lord stopped him, but if he had done that Isaac would have been in essence a dead which most sacrifices are a dead sacrifice amen but in essence Abraham would have been a living one we might ask why because Abraham would have crucified all of his dreams because he had taken that boy's life all of his own hopes would have been cut off by taking that boy's life. His ambitions, amen, the promises, cut off. Goals, desires, cut off by taking that boy's life. He would have, in a certain sense, literally died to himself in obedience to God. So the real question for us in the New Testament scripture is then this. The question is not, can you die for Christ? The question is this, can you continue to live and be selfless in doing it? Not about what can't, will you die for him, but can you live? Can you be the living dead? Not my will. Thy will be done. 
One of the major sins of the human heart, and I've told you this before. Most sin is traced to selfishness or pride. Most. I would even flirt with the idea of all. It's traced to selfishness and pride. And so a major sin of the human heart, of course, then is pride. It was, it was the sin. It was what tripped up Lucifer. I'm using Lucifer because whenever he was that high-ranking archangel just right along Gabriel and Michael, Lucifer, it's what tripped him up in Isaiah chapter number 14. And I'm going to turn there. I don't have that up there, and I don't even have it in my notes except that I know it's in Isaiah 14. But in Isaiah 14, it gives us the little rendition of the pride and the selfishness of Lucifer in Scripture. In Isaiah 14, this is what the Scripture says. If I can find it here just real quickly, and I'll try. And if not, we'll go on. Verse number 22. Nope, not verse 22. Ah, I hate that. Isaiah 14. I'm looking for it. Here it is. How art thou fallen, O Lucifer, from heaven? Verse 12. How art thou fallen? And it's not because I can't see it either. Just for clarification. Someone's like, yeah, he needs to put those glasses on him. I've seen you, Sister Sam. I'm just, no. <laughs> I'm joking. My far away vision is good with my contacts in. See, I got it. I've, I couldn't see far away ever since the fourth grade. Now I can't see close. I'm doomed. If they take away the mid, I'm just doomed. Amen. Verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, here it is, I will ascend into heaven. The five I wills. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Verse 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. The five eye wheels of Lucifer, which was nothing more but showcasing his pride. And for the, what well, may be, because this is in Isaiah, but we know that this, this happened long before Isaiah was written. Amen. This may be perhaps the first time in, in the history, amen, of God, which would be eternity. Amen. That there were two eye wheels. Meaning the will of the master who created all things and then this archangel Lucifer who's wanting his own desires, his own will to be done. And it's multiplied then from the time of Lucifer till now that now we have, what, over 7 billion people on earth. There's a lot of wills. There's a lot of wills on earth, but there's still only one will in heaven. Let thy will be done in earth as it is. As it is, a lot of wheels going on down here, but there's still just one wheel in heaven. If you'll turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter number seven and uh, verse number twelve, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, "I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place." to myself for a house of sacrifice if I shut up the heaven 
that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if I do all these things, verse 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto thy prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. Again, forever, continuously. So this, this, this setting of scripture happens, takes place after Solomon had built a temple for the Lord. The great temple of Solomon, there's none that rivals it in its embellishment and its grandeur before or after. He had built a temple unto the Lord. And here God is making prayer to Solomon especially important and he's also associating his presence with prayer. He's associating his presence with prayer. And as he stated in Isaiah, and at times also reaffirmed in the New Testament scripture, and as we sung this morning, which was so appropriate, his house, he said, shall be a house of prayer. Amen. Lord, make me a house. Make me a house of prayer. Notice though, in verse 14, when we humble ourselves... When we humble ourselves and pray, it positions us in a right relationship to God. When we humble ourselves in prayer, we're appropriately positioned in relationship to God. Because when that happens then, his will starts flowing. He says, I will hear you. I will forgive you. I will heal your land. If my people will humble themselves and pray, then I will. Amen. How many wants to hear from heaven? How many wants your land healed? And again, we could talk about your land being healed. We're again, look, we're not just talking about the earth. We're talking about your land. You. Want my land healed? Yes, I do. I, I need that. I need forgiveness. I need that. Humble yourself. He's Lord. Your servant. He's master. Brother McGee, it sounds like you hit. I don't care. I'll hit the same now a thousand times. We're, 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 the, we're the servant. Amen. His will flows to those that subject themselves to his will, that humble himself to the, his presence. His will will be made. His, he will forgive. He will heal the land. He will, you will hear from heaven. Amen. So the importance of prayer is seen in this. Prayer, to my knowledge, is the only one of the only things in scripture that is requested to be done without ceasing, which is without stopping. 
I'm not telling you you're going to, here, here I am, Lord. I'm not going to work, bless God, the scripture says, I pray without saying. I'm not talking about that. But you can always be in a prayer mode wherever you are, whoever you're around. You don't have to be on your knees. You don't even have to be speaking verbal words out. You can be, have a mindset of prayer at all times, in all situations and ways. And so prayer is the only thing that in Scripture is, is requested of us to do without ceasing. Amen. Amen. So the Lord doesn't necessarily then reward our status, but he rewards our diligence. They're, they're just always in a mode of prayer. I understand we, you know, we choose the amount of time, and this is true, we choose the amount of time that we spend with the Lord. I mean, I can call uh, the first Thursday every month prayer here to church, but you choose in reality. You choose in reality. I can recommend that we pray before church service, and I recommend that again this morning. Can I pause for a moment? I recommend that again this morning. I understand that this has been under construction for some time, and so maybe some people have just forgot about prayer before church because that's been under construction. But that doesn't keep any of us from praying in the pew, praying at the altar up here, and now you can go back there and stand and pray. I recommend that. A prayerless church is not a powerful church. If you want to expect something to happen in your service and God to heal and set free and see someone say, get saved, then it's going to require prayer. If our musicians don't pray before service, all they're doing is playing in the flesh. And all I'm up here is giving a speech. Okay. Prayer. Prayer. Amen. And so we actually choose the amount of time that we spend with God. And he said, already told us in Hebrews, that he is a rewarder. We have the promise. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so the petition by will be done Amen. Of course, may concern his will, but it also concerns our response to that will. Our response to that will. It reminds us that there, there should be no half-heartedness in our response to God. We should enter into his will just with abandon. Just with abandon. Enter into his will. Because what he intends for us and what he calls us to, we should just enter into that with absolute abandon. A, a thrill to be given the opportunity to be in obedience to whatever his will may be. The author is unknown, but they said one time, again, I don't know who said this, said, we must know his will before we can do it. He said, knowledge is the eye which must direct the foot of obedience. You want to do God's will, you need to find out what his will is. Not what you think it is, what it is. We get that through prayer oftentimes, yeah, and we also get it through this right here. Right here is already the stated will of God for our lives. Right here. Sister Margaret, I, I don't, it's not like go to the left till I hit 43 and back to the right till I hit 26 and back to the left till I hit one. It's not like some combination like that. It's quite plain right here. His will for my life and your life. Uh, the, 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 one of the greatest questions of, of saints is, oh, I just want to know what God's will is. There it is. I'm serious. And hopefully it don't change from here to here. That's the reason why primarily we, I say primarily always, I'm going to give enough scripture for you to puke over. 
Why? Because I'm trying to share the will of God. I wish I just knew what God, here it is. Man, I almost feel like a cactus up here today. I don't know why, but it just kind of hit me. Amen. I just wish I knew what his will was. People that say that are people that don't regularly digest the word or turn their ears off when they're in church. His will. I want to say, maybe, maybe you want, maybe it's not that you don't know what his will is, but you're not quite satisfied that his will isn't lining up with what your will is. Because I find that's usually the thing. Even when people talk to me, they want to know, well, what, what would God think about that? Tell them what God thinks about it. It really doesn't matter what I said. They was just looking for an endorsement for their will. Well, man, I'm glad madness is tonight. See, he's half mad. I'm not mad. But we got too little time. You hearing me? We got too little time. To approach this thing haphazardly. We got too little time to faking. Life is just but a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. It's very, you sit here now, you may not be here next week. I might be doing your funeral between now and then. I'm just saying, we don't have, I don't have time to, well, I'll get back. Oh, well, God help. Compass Jesus. Time for foolishness. Amen. The Bible says, Acts 9. I gotta hurry. Here we go. Brian Roberts. I'm gonna call you at the church. Acts 9, verse number 4. Here, this is this is again the salt conversion. We've hit on that. It's amazing how all this is coming from every direction on whether it be Wednesday, Sundays, or what. Acts 9 4. And he fell to the earth, speaking of Saul, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? Lord. And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. That's not even my focus for this verse, but since I'm just all over the map, it seems like today, but I'm still in the same vein. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Heart, that is agriculture, farmer, and animal terminology. They had a little stick that on the end had a sharp piercing goad that they would use with the animals from side to side so that if it tried to turn to the left hand or the right hand differently from where they wanted it to turn, they would have that prodding there on every side. Here's the thing. They didn't have to puncture them with the prick. Them in turning the wrong direction punctured themselves by the prick. You hear me? They didn't shove it in them. No, because the animal going the direction it shouldn't have, it pierced itself. He said, it's hard for you to keep on pushing against the prick. Keep on going where you shouldn't be going. Doing what you shouldn't be doing. Oh, and it pricks me. Oh, you stepped on my toes. Oh, you, yeah, because you're pushing against the pricks. I'm just holding the gold. I'm just holding the instrumentation. You're turning left out. You're turning right out. Keep your eyes on the gold. Keep. It's hard for thee to pick kick against the pricks. Verse six, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord. 
Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, that's really good in theory. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Again, Saul's conversion is a model example of this portion of the Lord's prayer. Thy will be done. For Saul, he was one that recognizes that he's dealing with the Lord, an authority. He's dealing with the Lord, the master. And so he further investigates to gain some knowledge here of the name of this Lord. Who art thou, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. You're kicking against the pricks. You're persecuting, amen, the one that has the power and the presence of being Lord and master and ruler. And so Saul says, I want to know what his name is so that I don't continue doing this because he's Lord. I don't want to fight against his will. <laughs> I want to fight for his will. Not against him. And he says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What's he saying? Saul's saying, Lord, thy will be done. What will you have me to do? He's asking, what can I do to obey? Amen. To be in alignment. Amen. With what you desire and what your will. It, you know, it'd be nice every once in a while just to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? Have you ever just asked him? You know, I... Sometimes when you're with certain people and like there's a bunch of that beating around the bush stuff and you're trying to figure out, you know, that's frustrating because number one, you might figure out and it's not really what they wanted. You're trying to interpret all this bushwhacking stuff. Sometimes you just got to ask, what is it that you really need? What? If you'll ask the Lord today, be prepared because he'll give you the answer. If you'll be willing to ask, he'll be willing to answer. Will you be willing to accept what the answer is? That's where it's at. That's where the, that's where the, the rubber meets the road. What were you having to do? No doubt Saul and others probably were wondering, Isaiah, others throughout Scripture, is there any time limitation on the validity of a will? Amen. Is there a will? Will it expire? Will it become invalid because of the passage of time? From my understanding, of course, unless there's another will that's written, dated, that supersedes an old will, but the will ultimately becomes operative when the one who made the will dies. When the one who made the will dies. A person may make many wills in their lifetime, but the last will that they make before they die is the valid will. Having this in mind, and I'm closing today, having this in mind, I began to search out some of the last words of Jesus Christ before he died. And you can stand with me. And without surprise, I came to this, to this scripture of Luke 23 and verse 46, Jesus on the cross, when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. His last will, so to speak, from the cross was a will of self-surrender. And in doing so, 
He activated everything that heaven had to offer for earth. He clothed the future with the will of heaven. Thy will be done. Thy will be accomplished. Takes our will being finished. Amen. Lord, I need his will to be done today. If we bow our heads in this place, I need his will to be done today. I need it to be done in the earth, yes. Any of us can just look around our, our society and our world and we need his will to be done in the earth. And that is our prayer. And it may not always interpret or look like in our eyes, amen, that that is being accomplished. But God's ways many times are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. But we want to pray and we want to find the desire of God. We want to pray to that end. But I also need his will to be done in this earth, in Paul McGee's earth, in this dust, in this dirt, this glorified mud ball that's walking along here. I need his will to be done in my life and if I really hope for that and desire that and purpose that then I I cannot say not so Lord I cannot say not so Lord I say whatever you want Lord what no no conditions no ifs no no other things alongside of God I'm yours Lord everything that I am and everything that I am not I am yours Lord and we just surrender to the will of the Lord hallelujah thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is already accomplished amen full and complete in the heavens in the name of Jesus Christ father I come to you today I'm thankful, Lord, for your spirit. I'm thankful, oh, Lord Jesus, for your patience. I'm thankful, Lord, for your long-suffering. I'm thankful, Lord, for all those things. Your word says that your forbearance and your patience and your long-suffering is for the purpose of leading me to repentance. That's what your word says. That's the purpose of long-suffering. That's the purpose of patience of the Lord, to lead me to repentance. Lord, lead me to that place and help me, Lord, to form words upon my lips of repentance unto you and help me, God, to place my life, God, in your hands under your control under your dominion under your say so and relinquish everything every part every hidden part every corner every cranny of my life unto you oh God be the supreme being Lord the supreme being of my life oh God lead me Lord and help us to follow guide us oh Lord and help us to stay within Lord the, the, the perimeters of your guidance God so that we don't feel the pricks Lord pierce our skin I pray oh Lord Jesus today God that is our prayer that is our position that is our hope in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray hallelujah and amen and the church say amen amen hallelujah thy will be done hallelujah come back tonight amen it's ministry madness this evening brother Zach amen is going to be ministering the word of the Lord you want to come and be a part of that this evening amen without doubt and we're going to have a good time in the house of the Lord tonight amen greet each other today amen shake hands be friendly amen as you go your separate ways this afternoon God bless you in Jesus name amen thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.